Hello, this is Dan Russo, head football coach of Island High School. You're listening to The Dan Russo Show on Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's what I call the rally cry. Relentless, like a dog on a bone. We got gas in the tank to go all night. We got gas in the tank to go all night. Relentless, we don't walk alone. All right, everybody, welcome into another week of the Dan Russo Show presented by the Red and Gray Gridiron Group and Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your host, Kyle Bennon, joining me each and every week, the co-host and namesake of the podcast, head coach of Vineland High School football, Coach Dan Russo. Coach, how we doing this week? Hanging in there. Just uh, still trying to get back on track, as you know. Yeah, I'm uh I'm still thawing out from uh broadcasting the game outside at EHT. Uh <laughs> was kind of bummed Rich didn't give me a heads up that that game would be uh broadcast from the outdoors, but hey, we made it work and uh it was uh it was a cold one, but we finished the job. Yeah, it was um it's out there in the middle of nowhere kind of, you know, in the woods and everything, so it was a little cold. And um, a lot of dew was very slippery, especially as it got later in the night. I was going to ask you about that because we noticed that pregame. It was, and Rich told me he had walked down on the field earlier. And for a turf surface, it's pretty rare that you know at that time of of day that you know the dew kind of sticks to it. Am I right? Yeah, it was very slippery, and um, unfortunately, on a couple plays, you know. Um, it definitely was a factor, and uh, our guys weren't used to it. Um, but like I said, it is what it is. So unfortunately, you know, the Friday last Friday's game lost to EHT. Um, for most of the game, though, it felt like it was pretty, you know, in control from your guys' point of view, and they were just able to break off, you know, three big, big plays to the same wide receiver on, you know, kind of – Hail Mary-esque throws. Um, just take me through, you know, what you guys were able to pick up on film this week from that game, kind of learn from some of the mistakes and, and some of the things that got away from you guys in that second half and what you guys are looking to uh, correct as you get set for homecoming here against Penn Saucon at home. Yeah, well, basically, you know, they had a few big plays on third down. We couldn't get off the field on third down, which hurt us, and then we didn't have some third down conversions offensively that you know hurt us and um we kept them in the game and they were able to capitalize on on our mistakes um guys were in position i felt like to make plays but just came up a little short um our defensive backs were in good position to react to the ball but unfortunately did not and uh, you know, they scored on three big pass plays that you know it's hard to bounce back from, and and we're playing from behind trying to catch up, and um, you know things just didn't go our way. But our kids, you know, they battled. It was, it's always a tough game with Egg Harbor. Big improvement over last year. I think we lost possibly thirty-five zero. Yeah, I think it was thirty-six zero last year. Yeah, Vineland and. Um, you know, come back the following year and have a competitive game and a game that, you know, we we make one or two plays, we're probably uh, 
talking about a big win for us, but we were unable to. And um, that's kind of what you get with a young team. We have a lot of young guys playing out there. Like we discussed, a lot of juniors, a lot of sophomores, and um, hopefully they can learn from it and um, bounce back this week. Uh, Penn Salkin, you know, mentioned them. They're uh, 7-0, very good team. Um, having been a team with a winning record, beat two teams with an 0-8 record, I think they are – with Dill Ran and Trenton possibly. And, um, you know, I don't know if they're as battle-tested as we are, but they're a good team. They've got a lot of good skilled players, good quarterback, good uh, receivers, good running back. And, um, like I said, they're 7-0. and um, You know, we're going to give it our best shot. Got, kids have worked hard. They're positive. Um, every day just trying to get better. And, um you know, like I said, looking to bounce back. Uh, it's a crazy year. A lot of teams are beating teams that they shouldn't. And some teams that uh, should win a game, you know, lose a game. So we're just going to try to uh, minimize the mistakes, work hard, and uh, have a big homecoming win this Saturday. I do want to touch on one of the plays from EHC that was a positive for you guys. It was that long run by Dan you know, down the sideline, finds that open gap and is able to just, you know, use his legs and his strength to get into the end zone. We talk about it a ton, you and I, Rich and I talk about, talk about it a ton on the broadcast as well, where Dan's not necessarily a running quarterback. He's a quarterback that has the ability to run, but the, the strength and power that he runs with, I think is just unprecedented for a lot of teams in South Jersey, and they're not necessarily prepared for the style of running that that Dan possesses uh just take me through you know what was going through your guys minds when you see him kind of hit that hole able to get down the sideline and just use you know that that strength running that he has to uh get his get himself into the end zone for his second rushing touchdown of the game yeah you know for a sophomore and a 15 year old kid he's advanced and um, he's doing a nice job running the offense and um he doesn't see something he likes and it's a passing play you know he's been coached up and been told to uh take what you can get and fortunately for the, you know on that one player you know talking about he was able to uh run that in there for a touchdown he saw an alley and he took it and um had some nice blocking on the play i know i saw the one um uh, nice block by Hitchens on the outside, and uh, the lineman did a nice job. We got some guys uh, working hard there in the trenches, and um, he was able to uh, evade a tackle down inside the 10. So it worked out. It was a nice run, but um, he's a nice combination of uh, speed and power. You know, he's a little, you know, he's possibly over a little over six foot, and he's, you know, over 200 pounds, and um, he's been playing football his whole life since. Uh, pre-K. Um, I signed him up early. I had to sign some type of waiver to get him playing, but I did it, obviously, being a football guy that I am. So he played a year early, and um, he's been playing his whole life. So and he's got football chops, and um, he knows the game. And, you know, thanks to his mother, he's got good genetics. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the guys up in front of him, Going into the the matchup against Washington Township, you guys had made some changes on the offensive line. Uh, just talk to me about you know how those guys have been progressing in in your guys' eyes, you know, through the past couple weeks and what you've seen from them as they've uh, you know strung a couple starts now in a row together uh, as a unit. 
Yeah, starting from the left to the right, you know, um, 71, Darnell Herring. He's doing a great job, big guy, junior, you know, six foot four, 290. He's a um, great kid, doing a great job. Um, I'll go with Jerry Sode, 72. He likes to go by Jerry. Alfemi, right? Yeah, Alfemi. Alfemi, great name, but he likes his nickname Jerry, 72. You know, basketball player that um, I was able to talk to, and uh, he convinced his mother he want to play some football. So he's a junior, and um, he's doing a great job. He's just – He's so strong. He's so strong and athletic and fast. He's like Charles Barkley, he reminds me of. Yeah. In the basketball That's a court. great he's comparison. Got he's got that, you know, fast twitch muscle fiber for a big guy. And then, you know, Gallo went down, and we had uh, Keyshawn uh, Chestnut Jr. get in there at center. He's doing a great job. You know, senior right guard Julio uh, Garcia. He's another uh, football player, started early. He's probably been playing his whole life, too. Probably started in first or second grade. He's hanging in there at right guard, you know, Doing a great job for us. Played a little H back for us last year. Tackle. Now we got him at guard. Play some defense. Um, he's doing a hell of a job. And then uh, first year player. Maybe played a little youth, but didn't play in high school and came out this year on the track team. He's one of our throwers on the track team. And um, Jordan Bennett, you know, holding it down at. Um, Right tackle. And, you know, um, making some big-time plays. Um, told me early on, you know, basically one of these guys just wants to play defense. But um, Tyshawn Newman, another basketball guy, football player. He's doing an excellent job at tight end. You know, he's a um, big threat in our passing games. He's got great hands, attacks the ball. It's up there. I'm confident he'll either catch it or knock it down. Another, like I said, junior. It's probably close to six, three. You know, 215 pounds. He's done a you know a real good job for us. Then our uh, our second tight end, Tayshawn um, Sharp. He's hanging in there. He's like a linebacker playing you know second tight end in our double tight formations. You know, Hitchens doing a nice job. You know, Powell's been a little uh, um, nicked up, hurting us a little bit with a hip issue. Um, he's like our best corner. He's been out last couple weeks, but um, he's doing much better. Hopefully we'll get him in this week and um, he can help us out defensively and offensively. You know, we got some other guys, Xavion, getting in there, sophomore, number seven. And then you got Charles, you know, sophomore running back, you know, learning how to uh, run the ball on a varsity level. You know, some of these guys are young, used to being able to overpower guys their own age and get to the outside, get the sideline. But once they're like, you know, playing varsity football and they're young like that, freshman, sophomore, playing against juniors and seniors, you know, they just have to uh, learn 
it's uh, much more competitive. They're basically skipping two years in their process as far as freshmen and JV football, and they go right, some of them go right to varsity. So, you know, they're learning as they go. They're used to being the dominant player, which they will be when they're juniors and seniors, but they're still growing in their process. You know, guys are more mature, you know, another year in the weight room with some of these guys, actually another two years for some of them make a huge difference. So like this group, they got good attitudes, you know, a lot of guys could be negative and, you know, pack it in. But these kids, you know, they're positive at practice. They're showing up, they're working hard and um, they're doing all the right things. And I think, you know, bringing up the offensive line that you have some new starters midway through the season this year, they're all pretty much juniors outside of Julio. Um, and, you know, they're learning together. And it, it's not like one of those things where a midseason change has caused massive disaster that you've seen at all levels. You see it at the NFL level if you have to bring in new offensive linemen because it is a chemistry thing. But I think these guys have, you know, locked into, you know, just playing as a unit. And like, like you said, you know, they lock in at practice. They're there every single day trying to learn trying to get better i think it's a testament to the coaching staff i think you know the leadership that this team has this season is through the roof for such a young team too um and i think it's a testament to you know just dan's leadership in the huddle too to kind of you know command that huddle get guys in positions that they need to be in and uh the offensive line i think this year has been across the board a, a really bright spot in the grand scheme of how things you know, have turned out week by week. I think they've just continued to get better and better as the season's gone on. Yeah, no doubt. And um, our offensive line coach, Coach Gilbert, Patrick Gilbert's father, doing a great job. We get Patrick back this week too from a knee injury. He's um, on the, you know, trainers like two, three times a day. He's ahead in his recovery, so – we get him back this week. So, yeah, the O-line is uh, much improved. Um, Coach Gilbert's got a lot of passion. Um, we're happy to have him on board and our staff, and um, he's doing an excellent job with them, and um, they're competing, you know. We've got a lot of uh, first-year guys, experienced guys playing O-line, and they're battling, and um, we're all proud of them. It's Like you said, it's, it's improved, and uh, – you know, looking at our record, obviously it's not good, but I can remember um, good friends with Coach Fusatola, who was the head coach at Williamstown for a long time. And I can remember a certain group of guys as freshmen and sophomores, you know, three and seven, three and seven. And then in, uh, I want to say in 18 and 19, state champ, state champ. And, um, Unfortunately, we were on the other end of that two years in a row. In the quarterfinals, they beat us um, back when Tyreen was here. Some cold, cold nights at that Williamstown football field. Yeah, and, um, you know, you're year-to-year in any football program, private or public. You know, a lot of teams, you know, that have had success are you know, struggling here and there with the West Jersey, with the way they do it every two years. With your schedule, and um, you know we got a tough schedule. There were some games out there we could have won, but we didn't. But um, we're going to keep we're going to keep working hard and um, try to get back on track, like I mentioned. 
And I think this year in particular, too, like, even though, like you said, like the record may not reflect a lot of how some of these games have gone, I think this year in particular, just for you guys staying in games, staying competitive, the depth across the board at every position this year just about, I think, is so much more improved than what it's been in years past where, you know, across the offensive line, you've had guys that were inexperienced and undersized coming in. Now you have a, a bunch of these bigger, taller, stronger guys coming in, and even if they're not, you know, experienced at the position, they can use that athleticism, they can use that size to counterbalance, you know, some of the inexperience. And I think this year along the offensive line, the defensive line, some of the, the skill positions and, you know, defensively, uh, in the secondary, there's there's a lot more depth that you guys have been able to kind of utilize to your advantage to to stay competitive, even if guys are getting injured or have had to you know cycle out and play different positions. I think the depth has really you know shined this year. Yeah, you know, um, the kids are doing a great job. Um, like I said, they're staying positive, working hard, and trying to fight through this. You know, offensive line with discussion. Obviously, we get Gilbert back this week, but, you know, losing Jamison in a scrimmage, you know, it's hard to replace six foot seven, three fifteen at left tackle. You know, he would have been a game changer. Um, you know, Charles Burt, we lost the tight end, another senior. And, um, like, Gilbert's been out for a month. So, you know, unfortunately, it's – it's not the NFL or college. You're not like uh, five or six or seven deep at certain positions, or you can't hire, you know, go out and uh, sign a free agent, you know what I mean, or make a trade. You kind of are what you are, and um, it's very challenging, you know, as a staff and for the kids and the program. But, you know, the kids are handling adversity very well and giving us the best they have. You guys come home this week uh, after being on the road against the EHT Penn Saucon Saturday game due to uh, homecoming festivities. Before we get into the game, obviously you being a, a Vineland High School football alum and a Vineland High School alum in general, you know you kind of reinvigorated the Saturday homecoming afternoon, uh, you know pageantry to what homecoming is uh, for football. Just talk to me about you know. What's homecoming, you know, mean to you having been a part of it, you know, as a student, as a player at Vineland High School, what do you think homecoming is to you and what do you think it should be, uh, you know, at the high school level? Yeah, it's a celebration of the community and, you know, Vineland Public Schools here and football program and all the sports programs and cheerleaders, you know, the Vineland high school marching uh, band there and everything. So trying to keep the tradition going. You know, my first year we had like homecoming was on a Friday night. I felt like it just didn't have the right feel. It was like um, in and out and over with. So this way, you know, like, you know, you mentioned the parade and everything down Landis Avenue, they get to march, you know, into Gatone Stadium and we meet them there where they're warming up and, getting ready for the game, but it, you know, it's a tradition that I remember as a player here and, um, and as a kid growing up in violent and just trying to keep that tradition going. Um, in this day and age, you know, sometimes people aren't about tradition and try to take the, the, um, the quickies away out, but I think it's 
great thing that you know we do here in Violin. And it's it's a nice family atmosphere on a Saturday afternoon. Um, like I said, family atmosphere. Um, I feel like it gives us an advantage as far as like a team getting out of sorts, saying, "What the heck are we doing playing on a Saturday?" You know, we mentally prepare for it on our season. You know, we're used to it now. The guys are adjusted that have been in the program and have experience. So, um, yeah, I always love being part of it and, um, you know, looking forward to keeping that uh, tradition going here at Vineland. And, you know, you bring up the the extra day, playing on a Saturday. How does that – I know we've talked about it in years past uh, on the show and, you know, just off the record as well, but how does it go into – the coaching staff, you know, kind of preparing for a game, having that extra day, does it really change any of, you know, the scheduling for you guys and how you approach the week or do a lot of the things kind of just stay the same and it's just, you know, an added benefit of having one extra day to prepare? Yeah, I actually like it. You know, I feel less stressed out. I don't, we're not trying to cram everything in and a shorter week we have an extra day and uh, preparing for a football game, it means a lot. Um, I like to, that the kids get to uh, do a walk through Friday and go home and get some good rest and, you know, can wake up a little later on a Saturday and uh, be ready to go. Not having to worry about their, um, you know, their academics and long day at school. You know, the kids go to school eight periods a day and getting up early. Some of them, depending on where they live in Vineland, the bus gets them probably before seven o'clock. So, you know, for a kid to get up, six o'clock in the morning and be playing football almost till eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. You know, that's not an easy thing to do. So I don't mind it. The only thing, you know, with football is obviously it's Friday night lights for high school, Saturday for college and Sunday for pros. That's kind of the schedule. So kind of throws that off for kids wanting to go to, you know, see a friend or a family member play college on a Saturday. So it's tough to do all Saturday games, but I, I do like it. Yeah, and I think it helps, like you mentioned, it helps with the preparation. It gives you that additional day to, you know, kind of pick up on things in practice, pick up on things, you know, film, study, give you a little extra time in the weight room, give you a little extra time conditioning. I think the, the additional day, you know, can benefit in a in a multitude of ways uh, when it comes to, you know, just preparation and, you know, putting in the time and effort to get ready for a game. Yeah, no doubt. And – um in addition to that, JV plays on Mondays, so those guys are expected to be ready to go on a Tuesday to be the scout, offense, and defense. So not only is it tough on the varsity, but JV especially. Then you have freshman games on Thursday. So there's definitely a lot of moving parts in a high school football program, especially when you have all three programs. And um, speaking of JV, I think I mentioned – they did really well against Holy Spirit and beat them 14-0, but they continued their streak. And uh, I want to say, I know it was 30-plus, but I think they beat on Meg Harbor on Monday 32-0. to There we go, boys. So back-to-back weeks with shutout wins. And, um, you know, the JV team is uh, bringing it. We've got a lot of young guys. We even brought a few freshmen up to play some JV. And... Um, doing a heck of a job so laying the foundation for the future here and um real proud of those guys 
And I think that goes to just show a reflection of the current state of the varsity team right now, too, where it is a bunch of young guys, but even behind them, you have, you know, some guys that are in similar ages or younger continuing to kind of build together. And I think that is one of the benefits of what is going to be like this next run of Vineland High School football is these guys are growing and coming up and playing together rather than, you know, one player this year, three players this year. And then, you know, by the time your core foundation is ready to go, they're all seniors. And then you have a couple juniors straggling around, straggling along. Now it's like, you know, a bunch of these guys are coming up as freshmen, coming up as sophomores, and they're building and playing and learning together. And I think that's only going to benefit this current group, you know, next season and their senior seasons. And then you see what JV is doing now when they get that call up to the varsity level. It's only going to continue that maturation process and continue, you know, just that camaraderie that they have. And they're going to continue to build and play and win together. Yeah, that's what we're hoping. You know, um, I feel like the sophomore and junior class, you know, is very strong. Um, they're doing all the right things. You know, the seniors that are here in our program are doing their best to show them you know, how to be leaders and how to do the right thing. So, you know, we're hanging in there. And, um, you know, like I said, any high school football program, you're kind of year to year, whether you're public school or private school. And, um, Obviously, you got to stay healthy, and fortunately, we've had some guys nicked up. But um, you do your best to stay, uh, stay the course, and get better. And you know, looking to this matchup against Pensacola, we mentioned earlier in the show, they're seven and zero. They've played some teams that, you know, on paper may not, you know, look the best. They they are, you know, stringing together wins week by week. Though, what are some things that you guys have, you know, picked up, you know, film study sessions that. Uh, you know, they do really well that you think you guys can match up well against, you know, their positive skill sets. And what are some things that you guys think you do really well that you can try to exploit, you know, some of their, uh, you know, chinks in the armor, if you will. Yeah. You know, um, like I said, they're, they're very talented. They've got a lot of speed. I think one of the receivers, uh, someone told me he's going to Boston college. But um, I'm just reading off a message I sent to the team. You know, we've had a tough schedule. There's the teams that we've played, you know, the Kingsways, the Holy Spirits, Washington Township, you know, even uh, Oakcrest is 6-2. and two. Played a lot of tough competition. You know, they faced, you know, seven teams with a combined record of 11 wins and 40 losses. And two of those teams are 0-8. So I don't know how they got that schedule because they had a very good year last year. I think they made the sectional finals against uh, the neighboring town. Um, but we definitely have been battle-tested. We've played some really good teams, and I'm hoping that helps us. You know, with, we're going to have at least four games remaining, um, whether we make the playoffs or not. And we're looking to uh, be competitive in each one of those games and win those games. But, uh, you know, I, I'd like to say we've played much better teams than they have, not knocking them. I mean, you can only play who you're scheduled. But um, I'm hoping that the schedule we've played and the progress we've made and the kids competing, you know, can help us 
we'll get some wins here down the road. And is that four games including Pensacan or is that post Pensacan? Um, four games including Pensacan. So that'll be, you know, some more uh minimum games. The minimum we have left is four right now. You know, if you make the playoffs, say you uh, lost your first round, you get another consolation after the first loss. If you don't make the playoffs, you get two consolation games like we did last year with Bridgeton and um, Atlantic City. So um, we're going to have a minimum of four games left on our schedule. Which is just, you know, continuing to allow this core to build, play together, learn together, and win together, which I think is a a big positive, uh, you know, for the rest of this season and moving forward. I know, uh, you know, Penn Saucon, there's, uh, there's some ties with this coaching staff now. Has Coach Tucker, uh, you know, brought up, you know, this matchup at all, of what it, you know, means to him potentially, or has it kind of just been, you know, business as usual for him and he's not trying to build it up too much? I'd say more business approach. Um, just trying, you know, you're so limited with your time during the week with the kids and trying to get them ready for a game. There's not a whole lot of extra time for that kind of stuff. And um, it's been more business-like, and he's just trying to, you know, get the kids ready on the offensive side of the ball. And I think, uh, you know, if the outcome is what we expect and what we hope for, you know, come Saturday late afternoon, I'm sure he'll be much more ecstatic and a little more, you know, rah-rah than business as usual because i think that's that's any coach who's uh facing their former team yeah no doubt um he's an emotional guy has a lot of passion and um very thankful he's here with us he's doing a great job but um yeah i would agree with you and you know looking at this matchup having that that home crowd i think we you know we've talked about it uh you know a couple weeks ago with just how passionate and how full of energy the crowd has been at Catone Stadium this year. Now you you kind of turn that up from, you know, maybe like a 7 to a 10 with it being homecoming. Uh, how excited is the team? How excited are you guys to have, you know, that home crowd behind you with that, that added, you know, emotion and that added emphasis of homecoming being there? So it, it'll be an even more lively event on Saturday afternoon. You know, doubt we've had um, a lot of great crowds at our homecoming events and um, a lot of great victories. And, you know, we're hoping we can pull one off this Saturday. It should be, you know, a great day. Um, be very electric. You know, the Miss Monogram tradition as well will be taking place at halftime. I think the cheerleaders and possibly even the band are getting recognized, the seniors. We're going to honor our seniors in our last game. Um, but, you know, should have a big crowd, you know, hopefully, uh, I think the Blitz play on Sunday, and I want to say the Violent Midgets do too, so hopefully we get a lot of uh, youth football players out supporting the team, and, uh, you know, it's a nice family atmosphere. Yeah, it's always, you know, the homecoming emphasis, and uh, it's pretty cool, you know, with the Miss Monogram stuff. I was an escort for Miss Monogram. My sister was in Miss Monogram, so it is something that, you know, you reflect back on to the high school days and you remember uh, all of that. And, you know, if only I was in high school when you guys made the switch to the Saturday afternoon because my Miss Monogram was a Friday night. It was ice cold. You would have thought it was the dead of December. We were all frozen solid, 
chapped lips, shaking, freezing. It was unbearable. I can only imagine. It does make a difference with the sun out during the day. Especially oh, yeah. One o'clock. Um, we can tell when we're practicing, and, you know, you get out there about 2.45 for warm-ups, and as you get later in the day, towards 6 o'clock, it, you know, it cools down. So I hear that the weather's supposed to be very nice, so we're looking forward to a great day here at, uh, in Vineland. Especially when you're sitting in the uh, the convertible cars with the wind whipping, you know, no sun in sight. It is uh, it, you got to be battle tested for that, and sometimes you're not truly ready for December weather in October. Yeah, I hear you. Especially <laughs> the older you get, you can't take it. As oh. much. And, uh, you're a young guy, so I'm sure you can take it much more than I can. And guess what? You get to sit in the press box when you're home, right? Yes, I do. That That is one of the benefits of now making that transition to the booth is uh, being up top in the in the press box. It is uh, quite toasty in there, to say the least. Nice. That's good, man. I've been, on, I've been on the sideline for a few cold ones, but I think the coldest one. Were you at that Lenape game, that playoff game that one year with us? Were you here with us yet? I'm not sure if I was or not. I think that's the coldest I've ever been in my entire life. It was so cold, and, you know, they had the home field advantage, and I felt like some of their um, community members, alumni, whatever, had all kinds of uh, heaters on the sideline for them. And I'll tell you what, we were freezing our asses off, and so were the players. I never will forget that, you know. The one thing I can remember is just my feet being so damn cold. And... um I can remember Pacheco and Naheem and Sanson. They were tough guys, but they were like, they didn't look too tough that when they came in and run into the locker room wanting to get hot, you know, get some heat on them. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's tough with the elements, no doubt. It makes you, uh, it makes you really question once it gets, you know, colder and windier during high school football season. Once December rolls around and they're showing those guys on NFL pregame that are up there at Lambeau or some of these Ooh. colder places. And they're just walking out there barefoot in tank tops in the snow. It, yeah. it really makes you question how crazy are those guys? On another level, man. <laughs> like, you, you want to talk about built different. Those yeah. guys are built totally different because yeah, I couldn't yeah. even imagine thinking of doing that. Yeah. I think Tom Brady made the right choice when he went to Tampa Bay for that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> prolong his career get out of Dodge from New England and go enjoy the Tampa sun. Yeah. Uh, you know, go, obviously we, uh, we talk about it all the time. It's a look good, feel good, play good podcast. CJ Gardner Johnson from the Philadelphia Eagles did drop a feel good, look good, play good in his post game press conference after, uh, grabbing two interceptions against Cooper rush and the Dallas Cowboys as he wore a uh, big style and blinging sunglasses during his press conference. It was very entertaining, but I said, Oh, there's the phrase. Uh, so going for homecoming, what's the, uh, what's the attire looking like for everybody come Saturday afternoon coach? Yeah. You know, I left it up to the seniors and their favorite combination is those new, uh, anthracite jerseys with the anthracite pants. I think they're leaning toward wearing them with the gray helmets too. Um, we wore them once with the white helmets, but we might go for the anthracite with the, you know, the red and gray helmets, you know, it's homecoming, um, celebrate, you know, our, our school colors, you know, our school colors are in the white helmet, obviously, too, with the red and then the gray uniform. But I think, my opinion, I like the red and gray helmet with it. But it's up to the seniors. I let the kids, you know, have some influence on that. You know, we, we try to get these things 
for the kids, you know, to create excitement and um, let them have a good experience here playing at, you know, in the Violent High School football program. So definitely the anthracite unis. I gave them out today to the guys. They're going to wear their jerseys tomorrow. And um, 50-50 on the helmets. So it'll have to be a game-time decision for us here. So are those the jerseys that we wore week zero against Oakcrest? Yes. Those, I got to tell you, Coach, I hope those stay in the rotation for years to come. Yeah, when I definitely. saw those on opening week, my jaw hit the ground. Those are some of the most gorgeous jerseys Vineland High School football has ever put on. Yeah, I agree with you. It's like, you know, when I designed them, I was trying to get like, you know, I, I follow the Big Ten. I like Big Ten football. I mean, I like, I love all the schools, the traditions there. And um, I feel like they're a Big Ten look. And, you know, there was some uh, money sent to the red and gray through, um, you know, Coach Parentazzi with people wanting to donate money in his um, honor. So I wanted to honor Coach and have a tough looking. Big Ten look uniform like he would have liked, and um, I think he would have been real happy with those. So um, real happy with those. Even uh, gave it a little extra flair with the roosters on the side, you know, so I think it looks good. And um, kids like them. Hopefully we, you know, we can squeak out a win here and they feel good about themselves like we discussed. You know, look good, feel good, play good, right? Exactly. It's the winning oh, formula. Um, yeah, so I kind of like them with the gray helmets. Uh, I thought that was a good look, but um, I'm going to let the seniors decide. It's their homecoming. We're honoring them. And, uh, you know, definitely the anthracite unis, but the helmet is to be determined. Yeah, and I think those unis, too, like, they're just aesthetically, like, pleasing to the eye. Like, when you yeah. when you see them for the first time, it's like, wow, those are, like, beautiful looking jerseys yeah, i agree with you um going into year 10 and you know dealing with some vendors and found a real good one in uh, sports paradise who's the um authorized nike dealership in our area i deal with uh scott treber met him at a um one of our clinics many years ago and um, anytime I would, would want Nike stuff and I didn't know Scott yet in sports paradise, you'd have to go through another vendor and he, and they had to deal with sports paradise. So in addition to working with the best person I could find and, and dealing with Nike directly here, um, you know, you cut out that extra salesperson. So we get it great product for a great price and um he's been real good to us and it's been a pleasure dealing with him and um he helps me design these uniforms they actually put on a computer and um nike has some software that you can actually pick the color you know the font the size of the font what you want in it logo all the things you see in these uniforms and um it's not easy matching up colors and um, helmet colors that are painted as far as the color of the helmet with the fabric of a uniform. Because you know you want your kids looking good, you want your program looking good, but it's extremely time consuming. Then you have to figure out the number combinations with the sizes and 
very involved, but I don't mind taking the time to make sure, you know, our guys are in uniforms and um, apparel they can be satisfied with and, you know, everybody can be proud of with the football program. Yeah, and as we always do, uh, obviously we'll, we'll get our final thoughts in uh, for homecoming, but we always talk about our alumni at the end of the show as well. And the Isaiah Pacheco fan club continues to grow, Coach. Uh, this week, picture on uh, social media goes a little viral with Peter Schrager from the NFL Network, Good Morning Football, hanging out with his buddy Paul Rudd, who uh, a lot of people at home may know as Ant-Man from the Marvel and Avengers movies holding up an Isaiah Pacheco jersey as they're podcasting together. And I saw that, and my jaw dropped to see somebody, you know, at the height of Paul Rudd, who has been in a, a number of movies. We were talking before we started recording, you know, Dinner for Schmucks, you know, uh, 51st Dates, I think he might have been in. I think he was in The 40-Year-Old Virgin, like all those classic rom-com movies as well. And then also, you know, to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, holding up Pop's jersey is... uh a pretty wild spectacle to uh, take in. Yeah, you know, when I saw it on social media, I knew who the hell it was, but as soon as you said Ant-Man, I knew who Ant-Man is because my kid, <laughs> when he was younger, was watching all that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> you know, I know who his name is, but I thought that was pretty cool. And like you said, the dinner for sh schmucks. That's, <laughs> it's one of the funnier movies of all time. <laughs> yes, it is. And when you mention these movies to me, then I knew who the guy is. He's a good dude. He's funny, funny as hell. And uh, that's pretty cool that he's uh, putting on our own Isaiah Pacheco's uh, jersey. Um, hopefully, you know, he continues to get better. It's a prog uh, progression there in the pros. He's getting some carries. And um, I know he's hungry for some more carries. Because um, that's just the way he is. He wants uh, he wants the ball. He wants to do great things for his team. But um, you know, he came out a year early at college. He's got plenty of his career left, and um, he's just going to continue to get better. And it's really just uh, breathtaking for me to watch. You know, I always look forward to see who the Chiefs are playing. Um, play San Francisco this week. So every time I see that. Um, the Chiefs are on. I want to be able to watch that. I, I really start to think about all the neat places in the country that Isaiah has been now. Now he's going to California. I'm sure it's the first time for him. And I didn't realize that I just I feel like I stumbled across it in an interview or something I read that I think the first NFL game he ever went to was the one he's playing. In. And so I think that's pretty remarkable, too. So he's getting to go to all these great cities and experience. Um you know, their culture and everything else. So I'm sure, you know, it's going to be an exciting experience for him to be in San Francisco for the weekend. Yeah, and that, that stadium is uh, quite the spectacle, too. And it's funny because it's not even really in San Francisco. It's in San Jose. And, you know, everybody that, uh, you know, my parents have friends that live out in California that are 49ers fans, and they always complain. It's like, it's like driving from New Jersey to New York to get there with the added traffic that they have. You have to leave like four hours before the game to even get there because of all the traffic in California that happens. And it's wow. like it's like a two-hour drive without the traffic. 
That's I didn't know that, but I guess with all the people moving out of California to Texas, that might be better for them. Yeah, you're right. Sounds like people are leaving uh, California by the uh, bus loads, right? From what the news tells you. It's so crazy maybe how expensive it is out there. Traffic will clear up for them. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Isaiah will bring Jamil back with him. Yeah, that'd be something. And uh, I was my dad was texting me. He was watching. Uh, one of the games a few weeks ago when the Chiefs were in prime time, and then when they were playing the Bills this week, he was like, "Man, Isaiah just runs angry. Like I wouldn't want to try to tackle him because his face—he's just—he looks like he wants to kill you." <laughs> you know what it is? He's just so determined to be great, and that's what he is—great. And um, even as a freshman, you know, he was 145 pounds, maybe might have been 135. It's like soaking wet, maybe. Whatever it was, he was thin, and um, he was very adamant about challenging people and putting the shoulder pad down and trying to truck, you know, run them over, and instead of just running out of bounds. So finally, as a sophomore, I think he started to learn. Hey, listen, I gotta try to make it through a season. I can't risk injury and challenge everybody every every play, you know, when I'm running the ball. So. Real happy when he finally processed that, and as he got older, he started running out of bounds more. But usually, he ran it in for a touchdown, so you really didn't have to worry about that too much. Yeah, and I mean, he just continues to, uh, you know, get better and better, and we'll continue to see him playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. And it looks like you know, they're they kind of have the the clear path ahead of them in that division. It's not as hyped up as it was preseason with how bad the Broncos have been, how bad the Raiders have been. Um, they they kind of have a, a much clearer path, I think, to win in that division, getting in the playoffs a little bit easier than I think a lot of people thought during the preseason. Yeah, hopefully it um, continues to go the right way. Did you see that uh, this um, Beckham guy, did he, did he go to the Chiefs today? Or was that like a, a bad so. Uh, I'm an avid listener of Jason and Travis Kelsey's podcast, which is fantastic stuff. And uh, Travis Kelsey recently restructured his contract to, uh, instead of it being part of his contract, it gets to a signing bonus. So then it clears cap space out and Travis gets that money right away. It was cleared about, I think, like three or $4 million in cap space for the Chiefs. And there's rumors that OBJ is, you know, potentially taking a visit to the Kansas City Chiefs for a workout. And uh, Jason asked his brother, he said, so can you confirm or deny any of these uh, rumblings since you just restructured your contract? Like, what's going on there? He's like, I can't confirm nor deny, but I would really like if those rumors were true. So wow. I, I think there might be some rumblings that Odell Beckham Jr. might be uh, heading to Kansas City soon. Well, that'd be something. That would really... Set them up for a nice playoff run. Kind of fills in the... I know he can't... Uh, he's not, like, ready to return from his uh, ACL injury that he sustained in the Super Bowl until November. Um, but I think they're just Perfect. getting the 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 process started now to uh, get ready to sign him for when he is ready to get back on the field. Yeah, no doubt. And um, you get him back during playoff time, you know, as a defensive coordinator, you know, you're definitely concerned about a player like that. So it'll open things up for the um, other guys, even if they use him as a decoy. And I think, you know, with them losing Tyreek Hill to the trade to the Dolphins, just opens up that uh, that deep threat, a guy who's just a unbelievable athlete and, you know, can get open and create opportunities for that Chiefs offense that even without Tyreek Hill, they're absolutely lethal. 
Yeah, no doubt. And then, no uh, you know, we got our guys playing at the NCAA level. Um, obviously, Tyreem at Rutgers doing his thing, continuing to, uh, you know, just get better and better with this Rutgers team. They've got Indiana on the schedule this week, uh, which is a big time, you know, Big Ten rival there. They got they got some uh, some tough opponents coming up. They're getting in the meat of that Big Ten schedule coming up, Coach. They got Indiana at home uh, this weekend, and they go on the road next weekend to play Minnesota. And the number four team as of right now in the country on November fifth comes to uh, comes to Rutgers, Michigan Wolverines, and then they Rutgers goes to Michigan State on November twelfth, and then Penn State comes to town on November nineteenth. And then November 26th, they go to Maryland. And Maryland's much improved, too. So every, every one of those games is tough. You know, Michigan's tough. They're playing real good ball. Just blew out Penn State just about. And um, Harbaugh won't take his foot off the gas. If he can put 60 on you, he'll put 60 on you. So, um, yeah, they got their uh, work cut out for them, no doubt. And even though we don't have anybody there, I gotta ask: Did you see the the viral videos of all the kids from Tennessee taking the goalpost down after they beat Alabama and just walking it through the streets of Knoxville, Tennessee? Yeah, you know, the other night at Egg Harbor, I, you know, they had a bunch of kids around, maybe forty or fifty of them, and uh, my kids were a little upset and I said um hey listen bottom line is if you win the game they're sitting in the stands so next time you know make sure you think of that and you win the game but I had no problem with it they're young kids they're excited I thought it was actually kind of neat it was like a college atmosphere so then I was thinking about it put in perspective I'm like they probably had 80,000 people on the field so (laughs) I think we could handle 50 kids running out and being happy that their high school team you know um you know won a football game and I had multiple administrators from Egg Harbor and coach multiple times apologizing. And each time I said, listen, I, there's no problem with that. I, I thought it was, it was neat. It's a, it's a great culture, great fans. You know, I guess, I don't know, maybe it's unheard of in high school, but I think some high schools have done it. The kids were excited. It was a big one for them. Um, but getting back to what you said, you know, the Tennessee game, I couldn't, take my eyes off that entire game. It was a great game. I thought Alabama finally figured it out and pulled it out when um, Tennessee fumbled on a handoff and um, Alabama scooped and scored. But sure enough, Tennessee uh, drove the field, tied it up, and um, Alabama had a chance to win it at the end there and missed the field goal. And sure enough, what was it? 10 or 15 seconds left on the clock, and Tennessee uh, got in position, and the guy hit one of the ugliest kicks ever to go in for a field goal. <laughs> Knuckleball, but I think it was maybe partially blocked. Yeah. And somehow it got over the uprights, and I couldn't take my eyes off it, the Twitter stuff, and, you know, the cigars. And <sighs> then it was funny watching the students trying to get the field goal post out of the stadium. I think at one point they were going up the steps with it, trying to throw it off the top of the stadium. Yeah. And then there was videos of them walking down, uh, I think it's Broadway in Tennessee. They're just walking down the street, crowd surfing this goalpost. And then I did find it kind of strange that a university like the University of Tennessee, 
a, a multi-billion dollar establishment kind of had the audacity to go on social media and start a GoFundMe page to get a new goalpost uh, for their next game. It's hilarious. I just think, you know, when they can capitalize on getting money, why not? I'm sure they got over hundred grand already for it. And then the uh, there was a video of the it was either the athletic director or the the president. I think it might have been the president of the school up in his booths and uh, you know watching everything go down. And everyone's like, you know, what's this going to cost? He's like, I don't care. It can cost we can, whatever. We can afford it. Yeah. And then they put a GoFundMe out. <laughs> I think it's half a joke. They don't need the money. No, not at all. Um, but I, I was blown away that they uh, got a goalpost <laughs> out of the stadium yeah, like that, was, and uh, that championed was, it around. That was an incredible party, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, Tyreem, I think this is a good spot for them playing Indiana. You know, it's it's similar uh, skill sets across the board for both teams. Indiana's not really the same as they were back in 2020 when they had their their big statement year in the Big Ten. I think this could be a, a good bounce back for Rutgers to, you know, get back in the win column. Yeah, it's not going to be easy because I feel like they just played Maryland tough and Maryland's improved. So, um, hopefully they can play, uh, play tough and, and pull that win out. Yeah, you know, we got our, our list of, uh, all our guys performing at the NCAA level, and obviously we have a game this week, so you won't be able to make it out to to any of those games. But we're wishing our best to all the guys playing on Saturday and uh, throughout the this week. You know, coming up on the the college level of things, and uh, I'm gonna try to reach out to Jamil this week and get a status update and give everybody the scoop on what's going on with Jamil because the Rams just lost an offensive lineman, and shockingly enough, I thought Jamil was gonna be you know, on the on the speed dial there, but they signed somebody else, I think, from their practice squad and just elevated them. But they lost a guy that Jamil had been battling with over the past couple of years in note boom. I think he might be done for the season. So I thought Jamil would have been one of the first guys they gave a call to. Yeah, well, hopefully it works out for him and um, he gets back with the Rams or finds a home with someone else. Absolutely. And uh, Coach... Any uh, final thoughts as you head into uh, homecoming here against Penn Sock and some things you're looking for and, uh, you know, what your guys' expectation is going into this game, final regular season game of 2022? Yeah, you know, watch a lot of film on Penn Sock and, and seeing, you know, the opponents they played and, you know, some things, some programs had some success on versing them. I think, you know, put in a really good game plan and, we're just going to try to utilize that and um, have our kids focused and prepared. They put the work in. And um, at the end of the day, it's high school football. That's why you got to play the game and anything can happen. And we're hoping to get back on track here and uh, win the football game. It's going to be a good one. Uh, one o'clock kickoff uh, this Saturday. You guys can tune in on the Vineland Public Schools YouTube channel. It'll be Rich Scarpa. And uh, a featured guest, as I have wedding number two of two this month, uh, going down on Saturday. So I'll be down in Cape May Courthouse, and hopefully that nice weather sticks the way that uh, things are, are supposed to be, uh, especially down the shore. But Rich will be on the call 1 o'clock p.m. from Gatone Stadium as you guys look for, uh, once again, looking for that first win since November of, of 2020. Uh, and I'm hoping you guys get the job done. And next week we're talking about 
you know, a, a big time next matchup coming off a win and, you know, just getting prepared for, you know, this final stretch run here in 2022, coach. You know, Dell, I didn't know the uh, wedding was so close. Next time, let me know. And I'll ask Coach Sean if you can use the helicopter. You could have done the game. We'll <laughs> talk to the Cape May Courthouse, right? You could have been there in 20 that minutes. Been perfect. <laughs> uh, that would have been awesome. Just flying. It's like, what is that doing? I just land at midfield. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty cool. Um, it was really neat when he uh, called me and I was – teaching in health class he goes hey uh, i'm going by violent high school um why don't you stop out and you know say hi or something I think he's driving by in his uh, suv or something and next thing you know they're out there in the helicopter uh going over violent high in the front the 11 12 building waving to me i was like oh, that's pretty cool it's <laughs> one heck of an suv there coach Shiano. <laughs> yeah, no doubt so it was a neat experience uh Really neat helicopter with the big um, Rutgers R prominent there and him waving out the window. It was pretty cool. And That's then pretty um, neat. limousine's over from the airport and um, spends half a day over here with us. Violent High, he's like, you got any good Italian place around here? And I said, yeah, we got a few. He goes, what's close by? And I said, uh, it's a place Martino's, it's, you, know, you know, football field length away from the fields here and we go over there and he went over there we had lunch and um he enjoyed the food and uh he got a little taste of island you know there it is and he didn't he didn't leave with a sour taste in his mouth like some of the uh the mlb gms did i don't know if you saw a few years ago when they did the uh the mike trout documentary billy bean from the oakland ace he said i'll never forget that little sandwich shop in south jersey went to jim's lunch before he went to go scout Ooh. mike trout and uh they didn't end up drafting Mike. <laughs> he goes to a division rival, and he's like, I'll never forget South Jersey as long as I live. Yeah, we got better Italian food over here than that. 100%. No uh, 1 o'clock, though. Kickoff. It's going to be a big one. Vineland and Pensock and homecoming. So come out for the festivities. Tune in Vineland Public Schools' YouTube channel. And make sure you guys are following Vineland High School football on all social media platforms, Facebook, the Red and Gray Gridiron Group, at Vineland FB on Twitter, and you can follow Underground Sports Philadelphia on Twitter at Underground PHI. And make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast feed so you don't miss an episode of the Dan Russo Show the rest of this season and moving forward. Just search Underground Sports Philadelphia on your podcast app of choice. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews as well. And, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel where you get to watch the Dan Russo Show in full video form. Uh, this episode obviously going to be on the same schedule as the football team. It'll debut Friday night rather than Thursday night. And uh, you get to tune in, be in the live chat with us, and uh, get set for a big homecoming matchup against Penn Saucon, Vineland Penn Saucon, Akatone Stadium. It's going to be a good one. And, Coach, hopefully next week we're talking about a big Vineland High School football win. We'll see who the opponent is the following week. And uh, looking forward to uh, another episode coming up next week. It sounds good, Kyle. Appreciate uh, everything you do for us, promoting our brand, and um, hope you enjoy that wedding, and uh, we'll touch base next week. Absolutely. So for Coach Russo, I'm Kyle Bennett. This has been another episode of the Dan Russo Show, presented by the Red and Gray Gridiron Group and Underground Sports Philadelphia, and we'll talk to you all next week. Just a kid from the neighborhood, where our kids from a neighborhood. Take me back to 96. I fall asleep with the radio.